Welcome to the Digital Dudes Podcast. I'm David. I'm Reed. And Reed, uh, our guest fell through today. Somebody canceled on us. We're with our clout. Why would someone cancel on us? I don't know. I'm <laughs> trying not to let my feelings hurt, but yeah, they're it on my list. Somebody from Europe. So maybe it's like the time zone. They're like, oh, shoot. I didn't realize you guys are like 12 hours ahead. Yeah. Um, but so we're going to wing it. Uh, and we decided to go with Digital 2023 goals today, which luckily we do have. So we're not winging it that much, but we're winging. Thank God. We're yeah, whatever we're saying. January. About. Yeah. <laughs> Hopefully <laughs> we, we have those goals. We almost missed uh, like getting goals done before the end of the year, though, because we didn't schedule our consulting call until like December 20 something. Or, yeah. Yeah. That threw a little bit of a wrinkle into it. So, you know, I think a lot of people that have listened to this uh, cast by now know that we've adopted this EOS um, entrepreneurial operating system, Gina Wickman's um, model. And, uh, kind of self-onboarded, you know, which I think mostly, you know, has, has worked out and being bootstrapped, we weren't in the position that we are now, which I know we'll get to here in a minute, but, um, you know, I think you really were the one that pushed, pushed us uh, towards the end of the year to go ahead and get a facilitator. And so I'm really glad you did that. And, uh, that, that kind of threw a little bit of a wrench in, into our, our typical cadence, I guess. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, we, but we still did squeeze in these goals and got it done and, that's what we're going to talk about today. Yeah. Well, first, the um, I think to comment on your self-implementation, I think we did an excellent job. Like, and uh, I mean, it'd been four years, I think, that we were... That Hashtag we did, humility. Yeah. Oh, well, <laughs> I'm going, we definitely weren't perfect, yeah. but we stuck with it. Yeah. Which is not saying something. If we implemented poorly, we would have definitely kicked it to the side. And I was worried a little bit in the early going. Um, Showed a lot of tenacity. We did show a lot of tenacity. <laughs> um but anyways, now we're here and we, like you said, we have, have a facilitator that will help us. So anyways, uh, goal number one for the year, do you want to take this one? Sure. So, um, part of this whole EOS model is establishing your accountability chart, which, you know, AKA organizational chart. But the reason they call it accountability is that it's got a huge focus on being really clear about roles, responsibilities, measurables. Um, and ultimately you want to get that to that one number so that every single person in your company, whether you have a thousand or whether you have 10, um, has a seat and knows exactly how they're contributing to the business. And so uh, while we felt like we had done a lot of that work, um, as I had said in our strategic brief, uh, a lot of you know what we had was kind of outdated um, or either not being managed to. And that's what makes it so helpful to go ahead and get it all done and then obviously uh, have your leadership team actively managing to it. So that's the kind of big step that we think you know needs to be taken as we look at 2023 expecting a lot more growth. And now we're up to 75 employees, which is kind of mind blowing. Uh, I can still blink and think about me and Nicole sitting, sitting in an office talking about, uh, you know, trying to get that first client. <laughs> so, um, yeah, I, I just, so much kind of stems from this. Um, it, it's hard, um, you know, I think to, to really get to that next level and unless you are crystal clear about, um, all that stuff that I just mentioned. So I'm really excited about it. Yeah. It's funny. Cause this is one that at the beginning, when we implemented four years ago, we were, we thought that we built it in it because it was, we built an org chart, but what is different is it's very clear on here are the three to five things that someone's responsible for. And then what number is basically their number, as you said. And it's v- easy to just think you have that handled. Like now we've managed several thousand campaigns. Certainly a paid media person should know what success looks like, but you were ragging on the team last year saying, Hey, I'm going to pop out of the bushes and ask if you were successful last week. And everyone 
got nervous because they're like, shoot, I actually don't know if I'm winning at my job. Like, mm-hmm. I get good reviews. I think I'm winning, but I don't know. And so what EOS and then now Margaret has pushed us to do is obviously just get way, way more specific with it. And it is much more challenging than I thought it was going to be. Uh, even like with like what is roles, but what is Reed's success look like? What does David's success look like? That that's been hard. Luckily, we haven't done mine yet. So yeah, I'm still well. And what I appreciate about it is uh, the commitment to 90 days reviewing it. Um, and when you're a high growth business early stage, and maybe it still applies even if you're a more mature business, but you know it doesn't allow you to get complacent and and stop managing to it. And I think that's you know, what a lot of companies do. It's like, well, we got the org for, you know, this year and now let's focus on everything else. This makes sure that you're, you're constantly staying on top of it, making sure you have the right seats in the right places. And then if there is some other now function that you need to add or position, um, it, it makes it, I think, I don't know, uh, if tangible is the, the right way, that's not the right way of putting it. But anyways, um, something I wanted you to come on if you don't mind is, and one of the examples you saw, you talked about kind of the the outcomes of each of these positions. So mm-hmm. it's one thing to see, hey, this is what I'm responsible for, but what ultimately is the outcome we're looking for from that seat? So if you don't mind just expanding a little bit on that. Um, yeah, we were talking about, you. about marketing and we were saying, okay, well, of course, marketing is in charge of web traffic and our LinkedIn follower account and so on and so forth. But I'm really deep into product books at the moment. And those books are, uh, would say, Hey, those are features or whatever that like, that's not an outcome. Everything you do should be based on what do you want to get out of it? Like why add that feature? So I was just moving that over to marketing and saying, what do we, what do we want the outcome of marketing to be and make that your statement say this, you know, this position, blah, blah, blah. And, uh, and you can do that for the five, let's say, you know, data points underneath it, because you might say, uh, more web traffic, but it's not at all costs, right? It's not, you're not going to pay a hundred dollars per web visitor. And so what do you really want out of the outcome of the web visitor? Oh, I want, you know, X amount of leads. It's like, Oh, great. Well then shouldn't this, the, the goal be on lead count or whatever versus like web traffic, Mm -hmm. it just helps you really narrow and focus. And then you are supposed to run iterative tests on that. So, uh, for example, we we have a, a goal. Well, I actually it was last year's goal. Last year's goal was to improve efficiency twenty percent. That's fine. We immediately went. Most people went to automation, and it's like, did we really want? Um, because it was improve efficiency, everybody's mind immediately went to uh, to automation. Instead, it should have been. Our, we want the outcome to be twenty percent more accounts per FTE. For example, do we need automation to do that? Maybe not. What if we just stop doing this or stop doing that? Mm-hmm. You could handle more accounts. Mm-hmm. And so um, that's what I'm really trying to coach even myself to stay in, in the mindset of because it's easy to move to features versus like outcomes. Yeah, for sure. And I'll put the cherry on this one. But looking back three or four years ago, we didn't attack it, obviously, uh, by the book. Um, but um, what core functions, what the core functions were of business really looked different, uh, three, four years ago. There's still some things obviously like, you know, our, our customer experience, et cetera. And, um, but what I was not struggling with, but I'm still sorting through with this accountability chart is when is it time to light up, you know, another core function or to split off. So for example, with technology and product, that's a, you know, an active kind of discussion right now that we're having on whether those belong together, whether, whether they should be split up where I'm going with this, that helped me with the facilitator with Margaret. Um, she's been great is she was like, you just look at the next 12 months. So yes, you can update this and should look at it every 90 days. A lot of that is just, do you have the right people in the right seats? 
but you kind of reverse engineer it based on those goals. What do you need? Um, and that's what will really dictate whether HR, for example, mm-hmm. or whether legal or, you know, et cetera, really becomes a core function of the business. So, well, I liked that. I was going to go to HR where HR was rolling up underneath you, but during, and we didn't have it on the board for this year, but as we're then talking it through with Margaret, it's like, well, clearly this isn't in Reed's um, like energy zone or like, you know, genius for example. So it should definitely go to someone else. Uh, we'll get to six working geniuses later, but so uh, that should definitely be a different seat. And then that opens you up to do more of the stuff that, you know, gives you, gives you energy or that is in your uh, zone of genius. So, yep. All right. Well, on to the second goal. I'll let you read this one because yeah. it definitely is all you. Yeah. So uh, we had a, a goal last year on partnerships, basically lighting up partners uh, where partners can leverage our technology um, themselves. So uh, you could probably skip the figure dollar figure. Yeah. But. So the, what I gave um, what I gave the example as a team, but most people will be familiar that Amazon uh, has AWS and it's very clearly very different than their e-commerce platform. But early on, Bezos had said, hey, let's let's uh, treat everything like we're a customer of ourselves. And they built AWS effectively for themselves, but because they were treating themselves as a customer or a vendor, it was very easy for them to then start uh, uh, opening up AWS for other people to leverage that technology as well. So I was using that example and saying, okay, we've built all this internal tech. Now let's open it up to other people to use it as well. So um, last year we set a goal that we more than doubled uh, what our annual goal was on it. And this year we're going to double that again. So we'll actually 4X the original goal that we had last year uh, by the end of this year. And we're, we're actually well on track for this. So we may have, I think we padded our numbers here a little bit just because um, it's already... I mean, doubling what we did last year is incredible, but um, we'll definitely hit this one. Yep. And I love it because it also uh, connects with that BHAG. Um, so for those that are listening for the, for the first time, that's our big, hairy, audacious goal, also known um, by a lot of companies as a mission statement. And it's really that destination, um, the moonshot, if you will, that we're trying to get to. Um, and for us, it is to have the largest multifamily uh, footprint, marketing footprint in the industry. And uh, one of the quickest ways to get there, frankly, is to to build um, partnerships. And so, um, you know, we, we're probably going to be a lot more, I'll say, thoughtful or strategic about that because there are so many companies in this industry. And so uh, for us, um, it's not just adding partners. It's also adding the right partners, which uh, I'm excited to see. Uh, I guess you go after this in 23. Yeah, quick qualifier uh, or whatever, just to give some depth. Um, we now have more properties uh, through partners than we have direct. And yeah. that was all within a year. And uh, to your point, I, I think this industry often misuses the word partner. And they're just like, oh, we're friendly with this company. So they're a partner. And we're being very specific of there is an agreement in place here. And there is a uh, there is a strategy and a goal. Uh, in fact, we just told one of our partners last week, like, here are our annual goals for you this next year. What are your guys' goals? And they didn't have any goals. It's like, okay, so this is why we're going through the process of setting goals so we know how much to, uh, how many resources basically to give you guys. Mm-hmm. All right. Number three, I don't know if I can channel my, my lurch voice here, um, which would be barely monotone. And he knows that. <laughs> Uh, benchmark baseline agency workflow and identify, implement, and achieve automation targets. So that's a mouthful, and he said that himself. But uh, to simplify it, um, what we're really looking to do is kind of uh, evaluate where we sit today, as David was talking about 
you know, how do we get to that efficiency? Is it automation? Is it just dropping certain things? Is it, you know, uh, refining some of our processes? There's a lot of different ways to get at that. And so this is our effort to do it the right way instead of just, I don't want to say blindly, but saying it's going to be through automation or it's going to be through process or it's going to be through not doing certain work uh, to effectively um, kind of map that. And then once that's established, uh, work with the tech teams, work with uh, the department heads and uh, various ICs and say, okay, what do these targets need to look like? What's reasonable? And then obviously execute on those. So this is a big part of, you know, our future and a lot of companies, you know, what we're trying to make sure the staff is hearing as we talk about this is instead of us just banging the drum efficiency every day, which I'm sure could wear on a lot of people that, you know, we, we hopefully motivate them and say, Hey, this is about modernizing our company. You know, we, we want to make sure that we stay, you know, on the front end of that curve. And this is a big part of it uh, because I think a lot of companies go at this the wrong way in how they message. And I'll say we did some of that ourselves last year. And I was at the, you know, I guess the head of that, um, just saying, hey, we got to be more efficient, more efficient. And in a high growth company, that may not be what somebody wants to hear. So now I think we've rightfully said, hey, this is really just trying to be a more modern company and operate, you know, at the highest level. And we're going to figure out, you know, categorically where we need to put most of our focus in order to get there. Yeah. I mean, last year we had the goal I mentioned of 20%, uh, but that was just kind of pulled out of the air. Yeah. 20% sounded yeah. good. And some teams more than did that. And then some other teams didn't get there. So as a company, we didn't say, we actually said we didn't meet that goal last year. Um, and then in Q4, Lurch led, a, led an initiative to, to, come up with, well, what would it take to 10x our efficiency? Um, that way, we're almost taking it from the other angle. It's like, we tried this, putting like a, a soft number, easy, easier to achieve number out there. Now, let's like reimagine it 10x. And so, uh, now that we've done that, let's come back and uh, set the annual goal to say, like, let's get really concrete uh, baseline on, on what productivity looks like and what the outcomes are, which obviously ties to that first one about setting the accountability chart. Yep. All right, then the, the fourth goal we have is to innovate on reporting and add additional features and data points. So um, most folks will know that we've been using NinjaCat for, uh, well, since we started the company. And they've been really great to us. But um, we just want to re-explore to say, should we still be using that platform? Should we get off that platform and do this ourselves? Uh, but all with the with the concept of how do we improve reporting from where it is today. So we've all experienced this, but there, we just get data overload or customers can get data overload because there's whatever, just an eye chart, as you would say, of, of data up there. And what does it really mean? And uh, most folks will know that we're now pulling in property management data, occupancy numbers, you know, lead count, you know, the funnel, so on and so forth. But not all of that fits currently seamlessly with NinjaCat. So we're trying to figure out how it could either fit in there or do we need to, you know, reimagine reporting altogether. Yep. And this is such a big battleground, um, both outside the industry and inside the industry. But obviously, um, uh, a lot of this does come down to, to the reports. Um, and we want to make that as digestible as we can for our stakeholders um, and also make sure that, you know, the right as you said, you were talking about some of the new data integrations that, that we'll be adding are there so that the full story is captured. I think with a lot of agencies, not just, you know, digital or in this industry, they're completely focused on those campaigns that they're running and aren't paying attention to, to all the other data that uh, they may just not have their hands on or may not, you know, be thinking about. And so that's what I love about kind of this vision and this opportunity is that we're really going to fill out that picture um, so that I'll say sometimes we're 
taking too much credit or not enough credit um, kind of in our part on performance. Do you have a, I don't know that you do. I'm just asking, do you have a personal story of like walking into a meeting thinking that like, uh, I've got some kick-ass like numbers, I'm we're killing it. And then the client be like, yeah, but my business is going bankrupt. So <laughs> meaning like it's almost the opposite from their side of things than your view. Yeah. I, I couldn't give you, I'm, I'm now you got me going way back, you know, uh, you and I both started selling the Verizon for superpages.com and all that stuff like online uh, directory advertising. And I had a lot of those moments where it's like, man, the phone won't stop ringing, but I think I'm going to be going bankrupt here soon. Yeah. I'm like what? <laughs> yeah. I have one I'll share. But when I, when I was, um, it wasn't yellow pages. This is when I was at the, uh, like the community newspapers in, uh, in Connecticut, New York. And I had this one, uh, account. It was our, it was one of our biggest digital accounts. And I think they were running like 40,000 a month on search with us. And it was a uh, livery company, like they black car service basically in taxis and their cost per call, uh, was under $10 and their booking rate was over 90% every time that someone called. Wow. And this is like when Uber and Lyft are coming in big. Mm -hmm. And I was like, so pumped to go into that meeting. Like, cause I was like, dude, a cost per call of under 10 bucks. Basically every time someone picks up the phone, you're getting a black car service and their average deal was like 250 bucks or something. So I was like, this is unbelievable. But from their perspective, they see their costs skyrocketing because Uber and Lyft are coming in and people are like now moving that direction for mm -hmm. their, you know, point to point. And, uh, but I, I couldn't get, I remember I walked uh, like in the meeting, uh, like the energy deflated for me because they, their perspective and my perspective were so far apart. Mm -hmm. But then even afterwards, and this maybe is like, um, my naivete at the time, but afterwards I was like, well, who cares? I know we're doing a kick-ass job, so I'm going to be happy about it. Mm -hmm. But obviously from the business owner perspective, it's really that their whole world is shifting. And I would still say we were doing a good job for them, but it doesn't change their perspective on like things are crumbling. You know? Totally. And it happens all the time in our industry when a marketer might be excited about what they're seeing on a report and the operator is, is putting their head down saying, you know, that things are falling apart, you know, or that they're not meeting expectation. And, you know, sometimes I'm in that school of thought, well, you know, that's kind of your problem, Mr. Yeah. Operator, yeah. you know, because we're doing our job. But at the same time, you don't want to be tone deaf, I guess, or insensitive to, to some of the, well, the data that's telling a different story to them. Yeah. And so I think this is a great opportunity for Digital to be part of that solution, you know. And, yeah helping fill things out. So it's not so one-sided. Now I would probably approach it like you did just the other week with a partner that wanted you to get leads at like four or five dollars a piece or something. And you're like, well, we don't want, you know, we're not going to do that. I probably approach it like, Hey, here are my, almost my accountability chart is to get you leads at under 10 bucks. I'll do all I can. Uh, it's your job to go fix these other things. But if they wanted like $2 leads, I'd be like, I just can't get you to <laughs> so it's, we shouldn't work together. It's going to cause both of us too much stress. Yeah. Um, Biting my tongue at something that was in my head. Well, the other thing that, you know, most people listening to this, I would hope appreciate is just, you know, it, you never want to be in that position where you're, you're hiring out of desperation. And I, I, I really don't feel like we, we've ever quite gotten there. Um, but there's definitely been plenty of times uh, because we didn't have a pipeline or because we were worried about how long it was going to take to onboard um, that we may have leaned uh more towards let's go ahead and, and, and make this move than we would have uh, had we really had this tightened up the way that, uh, you know, we're trying to do in 2023. So 
Um, I've said many times, I, I think Digital should be one of the hardest places um, in the state, uh, if not in the country, to, to get a job at. Um, and I'm not showing humility right now, but, um, you know, and and so then it should then translate to this where it's like, not only is it really difficult to get a job here, but, you know, once we're ready, we can pull the trigger and get you onboarded really quickly. That didn't really connect. So I don't know if we can delete the last two minutes. <laughs> so, well, let me... I do, I do want to interject this thing. Uh, so don't forget about your two minutes. Uh, so as you know, Nicole and I were just trying to hire a nanny as yeah. someone to watch. Uh, yeah. And uh, we were driving home from one nanny interview or whatever we did. And Nicole was like, I don't understand. This should be like the best job for, for the right person. And I was like, oh, it's someone's golden ticket. To, to come to me for us, which is what I used to say for right. like getting hired. Willy Wonka. Yeah. yeah. And uh, she was like, yeah, no, I really think it's a great thing. And then she, of course, uh, she, as we often do, we, we use a lot of work in life. And she's like, yeah, I mean, they're basically our employee here. So it's like, we're offering these benefits and these things. It's like, yeah, and I just <laughs> was cracking up. So oh. she can't let, uh, like, she's still in it, even though she's been gone now for like right. nine weeks or whatever. Well, so. That's what it'll do to you. I love that Nicole was thinking that. All right. Um, and I was going to use this since I thought for a second it was going to be our last one, but we have one more to squeeze in. But just as a dovetail, a little bit into the whole ele elevate and delegate um, and how, you know, things are going to change as a result of this growth and 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 our strategy in 23, um, which, you know, I think is going to be one of the harder things for you, myself and Nicole, particularly as founders. But also I know we're really looking forward to it, which is. You know, letting go more, mm -hmm. um, being more clear about where our joy lies, where our, our value lies the most. Um, and this was just a good example. So if we hadn't pulled the trigger on Kelly, we would still probably be sitting around 70 days putting that mm -hmm. pressure on our hiring managers to fix that. And while, you know, we know that they, they could improve that, that's probably not the best, best use of our resources. And so just by making the decision to bring in Kelly, like, look at what a difference it made. Mm -hmm. All right. Uh, so the last one, drum roll, um, complete division and plan for Fiona Ford. So that one um, is really geared towards if you've, again, been listening to this podcast, uh, you hopefully have heard a couple sessions um, or cast dedicated to Fiona Ford, which is really our charitable arm of the company. And, um, you know, this has really meant a lot to our employees, just knowing that there is, I'll say, kind of a purpose beyond um, just fulfilling campaigns and kind of the day-to-day the -day X's and O's of the company. We really want our folks to feel um, like there's a, a bigger picture or, or a way that we can give back. And so we've done all sorts of cool things under that um, brand of Fiona Ford from volunteering, you know, whether it's the Special Olympics, whether it's Habitat for Humanity, SBCA. Um, we also do a lot of stuff with like, you know, it's been food drives, the Move for Hunger, uh, et cetera. And then we've also done some affordable housing. You know, my struggle with that, uh, which you've heard several times, is this, there isn't focus though. Um, but I love seeing our team galvanized uh, and and people really leaning into some of these different initiatives and getting out there, especially locally where we don't really have, you know, super established brand yet, ironically here in Colorado. So um, we did ask Arden and, and Abby um, last year to put some type of vision in front of us and kind of establish some focus. 
and where they landed, and I think we're going to support this, but just a little bit more work to get done there is really honing in on affordable housing. So it's like, how can we leverage the relationships, our brand, what we do day in and day out and have the greatest impact? And although lots of us love getting involved with the SBCA and you know building homes, um, which is somewhat connected to this, um, it just made sense for us that uh, this is probably where we, we can have the, the greatest influence, the greatest impact. So um, this is just, you know, dotting our I's, crossing our T's and, and getting that plan completely not uh, laid, laid down and then ultimately executing on it. Yeah, I would add we have a three-year goal. We're not going through all those today, but um, we had determined that the leadership team that we wanted to do a 501c3 mm-hmm. for Fiona Ford. So uh, this will put us on that path, right? We got to have a clear vision to it. Then we got to know, all right, what, what would it require to move the needle here? Um, and then you and I, obviously, we talked a lot about Simon Sinek's uh, Infinite Game, and we often are hard about like, well, what impact are we really having? You know, what what are we really um, giving back? And so, this is the easiest thing to point towards whenever someone asks, like, what you know, what impact are is Digital having? Because it's easy to get, I don't know, uh, just kind of <sighs> bored's not the word. I um, we, Reed was like, we should make this one of our best uh, podcasts and. It's five o'clock and my mind's, I've got the dad brain, I guess. But uh, just, well, just one of the things, easiest things to point to about like, hey, we're doing more than slinging ads here. Yep. And then just add one more thing there on the three year, uh, you mentioned the 51C3, but also be at a position where we can donate 1% of our profits uh, back through Fiona Ford. And, uh, you know, we're not obviously going to get into the numbers, but um, that certainly would be significant for Digible uh, in three years. And I'm already excited about the amount that Ryan's, uh, you know, budgeted for Fiona Ford in uh, 2023. So uh, it's certainly, the, I don't want to say the last thing that we should be talking about, but meaning it's more about our actions, not about what kind of checks we write. But uh, I am excited that, you know, there'll be um, some real financial support here too. Yeah. Um, I will sort of blindside you a little bit ryan and i were talking it's like should it really be one percent of profit or one percent of revenue <laughs> meaning we, we he i have just, a feeling i know what his answer was well no, no 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 as as head of finance he was actually wanting to have a bigger impact so he was like wow. i want to do more than one percent of profit and i i liked that so i was like well we should definitely talk about it but i also like what you said about it's not to us just about the dollar, but it's back to the outcome. What mm-hmm. outcome do we want to have from giving 1% of whatever, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. And so that is what's going into this vision because we've talked about a lot of the volunteer hours we could do and how that is sometimes worth more than the, than the dollars. Um, so it's a good one. Yeah, I, I, it really stood out when we had uh, Bob from Food for Thought mm-hmm. on and, you know, we had mentioned, I think we you know, cut him a check for a thousand bucks or something. Uh, and he was like, honestly, like I'm not really interested in checks, you know, and he wasn't taking it for granted. He's like, yeah, we need those. But the most important thing that, that you guys could do is, is come out and actually volunteer or get more people out here to volunteer. He's like, that's the way this thing's going to grow and we're going to have the greatest impact. So it is kind of the outcome, but also leading lagging, um, you know, indicators, it's like for him, it, it is just the more volunteers, uh, the more we're set up for success. And so it'll be interesting as we get further into this with Fiona Ford, how we view that. But um, one way or another, though, I, I definitely want to make sure that, you know, it's got the funding. Mm-hmm. Um, well, that so those are the seven company goals for the year. Are there any other things that are top of mind that you want to get done this year? 
because right before we were recording, I was commenting on how last year we just wanted to make one dollar, and now now we, that we've made a dollar, uh, how that's changed how we're how we're operating throughout the year and how we're attacking goals. Well, all of that combined is really maybe the biggest goal I think you and I share for this company right now, which is position ourselves to to reach this next level. Um, and you know, we don't exactly know what that looks like, but we know it, it's going to be significantly different than where we sit today. And so we started that process already, just as far as, you know, mentioned 75 employees, I think we hired 15 or 16 just in the last 90 days. Um, but there's a lot of other things we're trying to do, uh, to make sure that we don't experience as many growing pains as a lot of other companies do when they kind of double revenue, for example, um, <laughs> randomly, for example. Um, but that is uh, a possibility for us. And so um, I really hope that, you know, the, as they say, not a strategy, but that our strategy um, comes through and that we pick the right spots uh, so that, uh, yeah, it's, it's uh, seamless is ridiculous, but that, you know, we minimize those growing pains um, and getting to this next level. Yeah, I think the hardest thing that the what's going to be the hardest thing this year is what you mentioned earlier about us delegating and elevating like our own positions, uh, the executive team in particular, and then as owners of the company, uh, picking the spots of investment. So you know, as bringing in an EOS facilitator wasn't inexpensive. I thought it was going to be in the hundreds of dollars, and it's in the thousands of dollars. Mm -hmm. But yet it was like we. It's definitely already uh, saved me some. Uh, brain damage as you like to say mm -hmm. and so it was worth it and so getting out of that super um, bootstrapped mentality of like of well i can go take out the garbage myself it's like okay is that the best way for you to spend your time on the company um no not because i'm above you know rolling up my sleeves and breaking down boxes and taking out the garbage it's just like that's not my biggest where everyone else is going to benefit the most from my from my efforts. So that's the hardest thing right now for me to break. Uh, and you and I were, uh, when we had a really good chat before, I, right before I came back, we wanted to do it all while having fun. And so that's been the other thing is like, we've been so focused on survival. Now it's not focused on survival. It's like, okay, let's build, as you said, a, a great company. Let's make sure that we are doing it responsibly, but let's still have fun. Yeah, I think one of the things I don't know if I've heard too many podcasts um, or read founders talk about the challenge, not just of letting go, but I'll say that the financial element, um, which obviously does go with that. But in our scenario, just to be open, as you said, last year, we just were looking to make a dollar and, and we did that and then some. So this year, it's not about that. We want to maintain, obviously, good, healthy, profitable company. But um part of setting ourselves up for that next level is going backwards. And, you know, we, we agreed how far we were willing to go backwards, but that is really hard, at least for me, uh, to see this, you know, amazing trajectory. And then suddenly, you know, it's like, well, six months, we're, we're going to go the opposite direction. And, uh, you know, I, I know it's the right thing to do, but as we did talk with, with Margaret, there's a few more positions that we're like, we really need that. And mm -hmm. it's like, well, there goes another X, you know, amount. Yeah. Um, but it's the right thing to do. So having, I guess, the courage back to building it responsibly, trusting the process, all those cliches, um, it's harder than you might think. And some of it for me is just psychological looking at that bottom line every month. Well, I think what's adding to that is, uh, 
the five years that we weren't profitable, our conversations, whenever we talked to a banker or whatever, is like, we're reinvesting everything into the company. And that was true. Now um, that the company is in the, in the black, uh, we are still reinvesting, but we're not reinvesting everything. Mm-hmm. And uh, what we just announced to employees at, at the at the holiday party is that they were going to get, or maybe it was before that, whatever, around the end of the year, is that we were going to start doing profit share this year. And so before where you and I would have probably said, like, go ahead and, you know, let's get back to even, basically, right, and reinvest everything back into the company. Now, if we if we make too many reinvestments, it's taking profit share away from people that, you know, we that maybe they're expecting that. Now, I don't think any of them have any idea what that, I don't think they've, you know, recognized what that's going to mean for them at the end of the year. So maybe it's safe, but uh, as you said, like Ryan put a lot of great work into the, into our investment um, paradigm moving forward. So we just got to trust that process, right? And say, okay, we, we're going to, you know, invest another 2% or whatever. The issue that, that we, unless you guys have covered this when I was out is if we invest all the way to that line of what he said for, for the dip, then that leaves nothing I think left for profit share. So do we actually need like a buffer in there where we leave 1% of profit to be distributed no matter what, and we'll invest at minimum of that line or are we okay completely removing profit share for a year? Cause we kept investing. Well, I think I better answer this right, you know, in case a few employees listen. <laughs> well, this will be the test. Did anybody slack read afterwards? <laughs> yeah, yeah. We'll make sure that 1% is in there. No, I definitely, we, we didn't want to announce that, get everybody excited and then be like, yeah, you know, we decided to go ahead and, you know, get a couple more ping pong tables. The building, so. <laughs> it's a cultural investment. Yeah, exactly. There's a sign out there. So, yeah, knock on wood. But I think, you know, it's going to be a nice end of the year experience for all of us to say, hey, you know, we we did it again and um you'll see it in your bank account cool in january all right anything else before we get out of here no i don't know if this quite you know was our a game but i i think it was solid hopefully uh everybody agrees you know but i think it's always interesting to you know build those goals for the year and then um share them yeah have the courage to to put it out there it's like this is really what what we're rowing our boat towards and hopefully we get there do the wyckoffs do this themselves as a family no, but I, I will take that under consideration. The <laughs> I think they get enough of the CEO speak. They're just like, whatever. You know, the organic team, I think is led by Erica the last two years, had me do a vision board at the beginning of oh, each yeah, year. Oh, yeah, I remember and so, you talking about the vision Yeah, board. so I had that. And one of the things I had on there was say yes more often. So then when Victor <laughs> texted me on like December 10th or whatever, and was like, hey, you want to do an Ironman this year? I was like, yes. Just because I was like, I got to make sure I meet that goal for the year. So I could I could have seen you doing something like that with your girls. Um that's there's some, there's a couple movies. There was one that just is, uh, yes, man, I think. Yeah. yeah. Is that right? No, I think it's, um, yes day that you're thinking of. Well, I know there's there a is yes, yes day, man. but or, there's a movie where, uh, some dad, I think says yes to everything. Yeah. Uh, but I thought it was like, is it Jim Carrey that he just oh, starts saying yeah. yes to everything? Yeah. yeah. Jim Carrey has one. Yeah. Okay. But he's and like, then there's the yes yeah, day. Yeah, yeah. Where for a day. I haven't done that. I'm scared to do that. But now would probably be a good time uh, before they get their ideas yeah. get too big. Yeah. Yeah. They'll just say like bumper cars right. versus whatever. Right. <laughs> Buy a car. <laughs> right. We're going to Europe. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Well, cool. Thanks all for listening. Thanks.